Journey into Space. The Return from Mars by Charles Chilton. Flight 127, your landing point is runway 17. Please switch to automatic navigation and landing. Switching now. Hello, Earth. Hey? Hello, Control. Discovery calling. What was that? I didn't say anything. I think we have some interference. Hello, Control. Receiving you for free. Whoever you are, you're interfering with London Landing Control. Please check your transmitter frequency and clear this channel. Did you say landing control? Yes. Of course, this is Discovery. Who? The Discovery. Flagship of the Martian fleet. On its way home. Hey, Harry. Look at a fellow on here thinks he's the flagship of a Martian fleet. Somebody's having you well, on. Listen. Hello, Earth. Discovery calling. Come in, please. Get the supervisor. Hello, Flight 127. We're definitely receiving interference. Will you please switch to Channel 7 and request landing procedure from there? Message understood. Thank you. Hello, Discovery. Supervisor, London Centre Air Control calling. Hello, Control. You've come up on the wrong frequency and are causing serious interference. Will you please retune your transmitter and clear this channel? I'd be delighted if you could tell me which frequency to tune to. Your allocated control frequency. Gordon done that. Tried to raise them for two days. No reply. Two days? Which control centre were you calling? Horseshoe Range, Northern Territory, Australia. Australia? Are you sure? That's the one I always use. Hang on, I'll check the station lists. Horseshoe Range, did you say? Yes, Northern Territory. Oh, here it is. Wait a minute. Well... There was such a place. Was? It was closed down 30 years ago. What? Whoever it is out there is not going to get any landing help from Horseshoe. Hello, Discovery. Go ahead. Are you the captain of your aircraft? No, and we're not an aircraft. We're a spacecraft. Can I have a word with your captain? Certainly. Hello, Control. Captain Morgan here. What's the trouble? It appears you were calling on a disused frequency. It's the one we were allocated. When did you last use it? When we left Mars for home about six years ago. Six years to get from Mars? Did you go by way of Pluto? Well, we're not sure how long we've been away, but in less than 24 hours from now, we'll be entering the Earth's atmosphere and looking for a landing place. Do you have automatic navigation and landing system? ASN method. Never heard of it. The very latest thing when we left Earth. I'll have to refer this matter to Central Command. Can you let me have a few more details about yourself and your crew, your ship, for identification purposes? Certainly. I am Captain Jet Morgan. This is the Discovery flagship of the former Martian fleet. My crew consists of Dr. Matthews, flight engineer Mitchell, and radio operator Barnett. Thank you. I'll call you again in a few minutes. Morgan? Did he say Jet Morgan? Yes. Well, I've heard of him. No. He's a big hero in his day. Led the first exploratory expedition to Mars. Apparently set out for home, but was never heard of again. How long ago? Well, 30 or 40 years. Everybody assumed he and his ship were lost. Hello, Discovery. I have spoken to Central Command. This is what you must do. Retune to your old control frequency. They will listen out for you and give you full instructions for landing. At Horseshoe? No, that is no longer in use. They will allocate another landing point somewhere else in Australia. You will then be brought to London by Stratoship. What's that? It's part airplane, part spaceship. Best thing for long-distance earthbound flights. Air travel seems to have forged ahead while we've been away. But thank you for your information. We'll do as you say. Good luck. Is it really, then? Jet Morgan and his crew? 
back from the dead? We'll know tomorrow, if they make a safe landing. That's right. These are the members of my crew. How do you do? How do you do, sir? Sit down, gentlemen. I've been sent by Space HQ to ask you a few questions. There are a few we'd like to ask you. Like why have we been kept shut up? Hmm. And why are we not allowed to contact our family? Well, under the circumstances, we thought it best to keep a tight security check on all your movements until we'd clarified a few things. Such as? Since you touched down, we've had a chance to consult the records about your trips to Mars. When you failed to return from the second trip, it was presumed that the Discovery and all aboard were lost. Well, for a time, we were. Oh? Whereabouts? We can't be sure. How long were you away? Six or seven years, including the time taken to return from Mars to Earth, we believe. You seem rather vague as to time. Yes. Why? Well, after we landed on Mars, we spent a few months on and around the planet until the invasion threat was neutralized and then set out for home. That's right. It was then we got lost, uh, well, confused, not only as to our physical position in space, but as to our awareness of time. A very critical loss to an astronaut. Mm. Exactly. We flew that ship home by the seat of our pants, putting our faith in control to bring us down safely. Which leads to the very serious question as to why, when we needed the most, control decided to abandon us. Mm. Horseshoe, like everybody else, had given you up for lost. But the Australian space program was scheduled to operate for 20 years. It did operate for 20 years. At the end of that time, a new space operation site was opened on the Barclay Plateau. I'm sorry, Commander, I don't follow you. Captain Morgan, can you tell me what year this is? Not to the precise day or week. Or even which century? I don't really understand the question, but the 20th century, of course. No. This is the year 2026. What? 2026? It, it's the time warp. We didn't travel far enough. We've arrived back in the 21st century instead of the 20th. All I know is you suddenly appear on the main control frequency claiming to be Jet Morgan and crew of the Discovery decades after you were officially presumed lost. But I am Jet Morgan. This is my crew. Yeah. Yes, I must say you look like the men you claim to be and hardly a day older, judging from the photographs in the records office. But the fact is, gentlemen... You have been out of touch with Earth for nearly half a lifetime. Blimey. Suppose you tell me all that happened since you left Mars in whenever it was. Well, all that took place up to the time we frustrated the Martians' attempted invasion must be on record at HQ. We transmitted the whole story. That's right, but what happened after that? I'll get my diary. It's all in there. Immediately after leaving the big asteroid where we had been held prisoner, that things began to go wrong. We're about to take off for the eight-month journey home. Everybody ready? Mitch? All set. Number one, Gyro. Number one. Number two. Number two. Stand by for takeoff. Don't overdo it, Jeff. The gravity pull of this asteroid is virtually nil. Just a short burst in five seconds from 
Now, four, three, two, one. Let's have a picture, Lemmy. Rear view. Coming up. Oh, that's odd. No good. Picture's all right, but it's the wrong one. Hey? Should be showing the asteroid we just left. There's nothing on the screen but stars. And we should see Mars. Should almost fill the screen. Let's take a look forward. Forward, televiewer. What? Good grief, what's that? Must be the Earth. It is the Earth. It's so close. No, no, it's the wrong color. Is the radar working? Think so. Yeah. Then we'd better start taking some readings. Oh, I can't figure out what the hicks happened to us. The gravity pull of that asteroid was very slight. We were bound to take off pretty smartly. Not like a shell from a cannon, and at such a rate of acceleration that we all lost our senses. How long were we blacked out? Well, more than a few minutes, I'd say, until the emergency fuel cut came into operation. But in that short time, we appear to have traveled millions of miles. And are heading straight for a planet none of us recognizes. It's less than 90,000 miles away. We can land on it, can't we? Like we intended to land on Earth. It certainly has an atmosphere. If it's dense enough, we could accomplish a landing. And how do we maneuver the ship? You think we used up all the fuel? More than likely. Only way to tell is to go down and inspect the tanks. Hmm. I'll come with you. While you're in the hold, I'll take a look outside, see if we've suffered any damage. Careful, Jet. Make sure you're securely hit. Okay, Doc. We're ready to come in. You can close the lock. Well, how was it? Fine. No damage whatsoever. And the motors? Bit warm, but okay. How about fuel? Enough to make a landing. The fuel cut must have operated very snappily. But we still went on accelerating. Possibly. I can't be sure. I'd lost all interest by then. What's the matter? We're awake now, and we've less than 24 hours to plan and make a landing on that globe. The question is, where to land? Doc, while Mitch and I figure out the landing procedure, you survey that planet. Study its surface, work out its daily rotation period. Where the flattest ground is and where the best weather's likely to be. Right. And Lemmy? Yes, Chet? Stay on the radar. Measure our distance and calculate our speed and hand the result to me and Mitch every five minutes. Right. Okay, then. Let's get down to work. Well, it seems to be almost totally covered with desert, which is why it has that red color. 
There are islands and chains of extremely high mountains, twice as high as any on Earth, I'd say. Any water? Yes, some two or three seas or large lakes in each hemisphere. But it's a planet composed almost entirely of dry land. That's better than one composed entirely of water. Any light, do you think? The coloration on the edges of the lake suggests something could be growing there. Mm -hmm. Our telescopic power is too weak to show us. Maybe we'll see more as we get closer. Any ideas about climate? By day, it's pretty warm down there, by Earth's standards. Very cold by night. There are some fairly dense cloud patches, mostly in the lake regions, and there's a little ice at both poles. Very thin and almost identical in size. Either we've arrived between seasons, or this planet's axial tilt is zero. And the axial rotation? I can't say at this stage, but considerably slower than the Earth's. Hmm. No sign of any intelligent life? Not from this distance. Oh, thanks, Doc. You uh, think we'll make it? We should enter the atmosphere in about ten hours. That will be the moment of truth. And if it isn't dense enough to slow us down? Then we're in trouble. Right. There's not enough fuel to make a rocket-assisted landing. Over daylight once more. Hmm. Course, Mitch? Steady as she goes. Height? 20,000. I think we should go in. Well, now's the time if we want to choose the landing place. Delay could mean being forced to land on the dark side. Right. Can you hear me in the cabin? Yes, Jeff. Take up stations. We're going to land. Where? About 50 degrees north of the equator, near the lake, just south of the big mountains. Good luck. And here we go. Put her nose down for a nice, gentle descent. Speed 205. 210. Height? 2,500. We're too low. Land too near the equator. I could turn on the motor, give her a boost. That'd carry us a few hundred miles more. No, we don't risk using up the fuel. We may need it for landing. I'll keep her nose up as long as I can. Don't let her stall. She'll never recover. Keep a lookout for a decent landing spot. There's a fall warning. I can hear it. Height 1,200. The ground's soft. We'll tip up on our nose for sure. Pancake landing's the only answer. Height 1,000 exactly. Speed 180. Nose down. Speed 190. Height 800, 700, 600, 500, 400, leveling up, 300. Now. Look at that, my stomach right over. 200. Landing imminent. 100, 90, 80, 70, 60. Touching down. Retrograde now. To start. Yeah, sorry about that. Is the ship damaged? If it is, it'll be the undercarriage. Well, at least the airlock's working. You all right in here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, except for the sloping floor. Yeah. Well, undo your harness and stow your couches. We'll carry out an inspection of all equipment. Does that include the radio? Of course. Why not? Well, I don't see how anyone would be calling us in this place. There was no sign of intelligent life on any part of this planet that I saw. Maybe. But all parts of the ship should be in full working order. Right. So we'll check the radio, and we'll keep a listening out watch from time to time. Well, there doesn't seem to be any internal damage. How about outside? Two will go. We'll draw lots. They will test the atmosphere, find out why we have this list. Oh, well, here are the straws. Draw right. one each, two short ones go. Now. 
Oh. It's me and Lemmy. Just more luck. Come on, get your suit on. The sooner we get it over, the better. Hello, Doc? How you doing? We've just touched down. Good. Come forward a bit so we can see you on the televiewer. What's the ground like? What about the temperature? 24, 25 degrees. Quite safe to take our helmets off, I think. What do you see, Mitch? I've gone around 360 degrees, nothing but sand on the peaks of tall mountains showing above the horizon. Not a thing moving. Okay, Doc, you can take your helmets off one at a time. to the starboard side? Oh, sure. Round you go, then. What is it? So I can hear. How about the undercarriage? Is it damaged? No, no, don't do anything like that. It's too risky. So long as the undercarriage isn't about to collapse... I don't think so. Then that's enough for the first day's outing. you better come in. It'll probably be dark in an hour or so. Okay. It's all clear out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, no. What is it? It's not on the ground. It's in the sky. Where? The stars. Stars? You're supposed to be keeping watch on the surrounding terrain, not stargazing. Well, I couldn't help it. They're shining through the glass so brightly, and there's so many of them. So? Well, I, I was trying to see which was the brightest in that group on the horizon, and counting how many there were, when I, I noticed that the really bright ones formed a familiar shape. Well, almost. What shape? The plough, the bear. Oh, yes. With the two stars pointing at the pole star, except that because the... Uh, the top one... Dupe. Dupe. Uh, yeah, a shifted look. That They don't point to the pole anymore. Yes, you're right. And there's the little bear. But that's not quite the right shape, either. What's that, you think? All I can think of is that this planet's part of our own solar system. Then which planet we on? <laughs> I wish I knew. Only red planet I know is Mars. We've been on that. It didn't look anything like this. I don't think we're on Mars. It can't be Earth. Is that all you have to report? Two solid hours I've been watching, and not a thing's moved except the stars across the sky. All right. Get back to the cabin. I'll keep watch for a while. If I hadn't seen it, I'd never have believed it. Some constellations exactly as they've always been. Others so distorted you can hardly recognize them. How can stars change their position? Well, they do, all the time. But they're such a great distance away, the movement is not discernible for tens of thousands of years. Perhaps we have moved forwards or backwards in time. Perhaps this is Mars after all, the red planet. But tens of thousands of years ago, 
when it still had an atmosphere and could support higher forms of life. That would have been millions of years ago. And every constellation would be unrecognizable. Oh, this is a problem that can't be solved purely on theory. When we can begin to explore this planet, maybe we'll come up with some answers. When will that be? We could start tomorrow. What do we use for transport? We hike. Construct a sled to carry oh. food and equipment and walk. Oh, the nearest lake must be hundreds of miles away. We've got to take some action while supplies are still plentiful. How long can we hold out? We have food for more than a year. And then? Well, maybe this planet does support some kind of life. I doubt it. It might support us. Expect us to remain here for the rest of our days? What choice do we have? Now or now our Robinson Crusoe fell. We'd better get some sleep. It'll do us all the world of good. Which world? Shouldn't we keep a watch? I don't think so. We're safe in here. It's impossible for anything to get in. Let's hope so. Even if there was anything, which I doubt very much. I have a feeling that this is a totally empty world with no living creatures on it but ourselves. We must conserve energy. The batteries won't last forever. We don't want to die in here because we suddenly find there's no longer any power left to open the outer door. All airlocks except the outer one will remain open and not be used. All lights and equipment except absolutely essential ones will be extinguished. What was that? Something hit the ship. The televiewer, quick. Right. Doc, Mitch, yeah? go to the flight deck. Tell us what you can see. Right. Jack. Televiewer on. Can you see anything? No. The screen's too dark. Put the light up. How's that? No. I can see very little. Stars, the horizon, that's all. It's too dark out there. But maybe whoever it is is too near the ship for the camera to pick up. Yeah, maybe. Doc, Mitch. What do you see? Hardly anything. Our eyes aren't used to the dark yet. Now, wait a minute. Something moving out there. Where? On the port side. Group of figures. Oh, yeah. I, I can just see them. What do they look like? Uh, bears. Bears? Yes. They just stood up on their hind legs and launched a shower of rocks at us. Doc, I'm coming out. Come in, will you? Take over the televiewer. Right. Right, Mitch, where are they? I were on the port. They've vanished now. They really look like bears. I did when crouching on all fours, but they stood up to fire the missiles. Fire? Well, they've got some kind of gadget to fire them with, but no explosions. Then they must be creatures of some intelligence. Yeah, obviously. What's that? Huh? Where? Straight ahead. That's them, isn't it? Yeah. If we switch on the landing lights, they'll be directly in the beams. They'll use up a lot of battery. We'll only turn them on for a couple of seconds. Tripes are shooting at us. How do they know we're in here? They must have eyes like cats. I'm going to switch on the light. Now. Hey, look, running for their lives. Well, they aren't bears. They're two-legged creatures wrapped up against the night cold. It must be well below zero out there. I'm gone. Switch off. <laughs> they didn't like the light, did they? Ran like a devil. Yeah, well, I'd be back. In daylight, I hope. I'd like to have a good look at them. At least they're no real threat. How do you know? All I did was shoot stones at us. Couldn't do any real harm. Unless we met them outside during one of your proposed expeditions. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's get back to the main cabin. We'll organize a night watch. One man here in the pilot's cabin for two hours while the others sleep. There's so much for the empty, uninhabited world. When you've finished your breakfast, Doc, you can relieve Lemmy in the pilot's cabin. 
Yes, Jet? You find you get very hungry, mm. aren't you? Like I haven't eaten for a week. Well, it was a long night. Well, longer than Earth. What time do your watches say? Mine's gone completely haywire. Oh, they're still keeping Earth time and racing ahead. I doubt whether we can slow them down enough to keep the correct time here. Maybe we can get the ship's clock to go slowly enough. We can check the time from the sun each day at noon. Jet? Something approaching. Mm. Coming, Lenny. Where are they? Not them. It. Coming over the mountain. It's a flying saucer. What? Where? See the tallest peak? Yes. Below that. Between it and us. Oh, yes. You must have good eyes. It couldn't have been more than a speck when you called. No, it was bigger. It was hovering over the mountains and then headed this way like it'd been looking for us and then sighted us. Dog, turn on the televiewer. See what you make of a flying machine heading this way from the port side. Right. It's almost here. Can you see it? Got it in full view. Stops and starts like a hoverfly. Incredible control. It's coming down. I don't think this is going to be frightened away by a flash of landing lights. That door's opening. Look at that. It's a girl. A human. And beautiful. Why is she dressed like an ancient Greek? <laughs> Not exactly like an ancient Greek, but I see what you mean. She can see us. What's she doing? Pointing to her wrist, then her ear. Trying to convey something. Let's see what the others think. I've never seen anything like it. Perfect. I think she wants to talk to us. Oh, I know what she wants. The radio turned on. What did I tell you? Hello, young lady. What do you want then? Wahoo! We're not going cross home, eh? What's she say? Freeway or Tazbo? That's more double and Dutch. Cousins cross. She wants us to go outside, eh? Oh, what, what else do those gestures mean? Is it safe to go out? Well, she certainly isn't throwing stones at us. Here, I'll go. No, you went before. Give someone else a turn. Hey? I mean. Well, we must all share the risks equally, and you did your bit yesterday. I haven't been out either. Well, why don't you both go? Well, maybe she's concealing some secret weapon. With a figure like that? Where does she keep it? Oh, now she's going back to her ship. Come on, Mitch. We've got to make contact sometime. Okay, we're on the ground. This sand is hot. Yes. Hello. I'm Jet Morgan, captain of the Discovery. This is flight mechanic Mitchell. We call him Mitch. How do you do? Free not pause in from Botetas, Osasvitazvo. Hort, pata esa roto vertico. You want us to put those things around our necks? There. Can you understand me now? Good heavens, yes. Every word. How's it done? It's a translator. Well, more a thought reader. The translation is done in your own head. It's miraculous. I think they can understand what she's saying. If the rest of your crew would like to join in the conversation, I'll give them translators, too. Uh, it's terribly hot out here. You should not stand in the sun's rays without protective clothing. What about you? I am wearing protective clothing. What, that gym slip? Feel it. Lord, it's stone cold. <laughs> to you, perhaps. But it's just the right temperature for me. Well, let's go inside. It's cooler. Better still. Come into my ship. <laughs> You'll not come to any harm. You can leave any time you wish. I think the lady means it. So do I. They can understand her. Doc, Lemmy, come out. Shall we wear our suits? No. We have only to walk over to my craft. What did she say? 
She said, you only have to walk over to her craft. We're coming. I see the sortiers have already paid you a visit. You mean those Eskimos? They can be a bit frightening if you meet them alone, but they're harmless, really. What about all that stone throwing? More of a demonstration than an attack. They just can't resist a chance to show their contempt for Talians. Huh. You could have fooled me. Sit where you like. It's nice and cool in here. Oh, yeah. uh, mind if I look around a bit? No, help yourself. But I shall close the door to maintain the temperature. Which is the control panel? Control panel? How do you drive it? Oh, you dial direction, height, speed and destination on here. Uh -huh. Press the starter button and you're off. But all that maneuverability, how do you control that? With this control. You see, it's saucer-shaped, like the ship, but in miniature. You place your hand on it, push forward to advance, backwards to reverse, sideways, any direction you like. Yeah. The real craft will take up the same position. Climb or descend in any direction and at any angle. That's darn clever. Yeah. But how do you see out? We have a viewing panel here. It gives a 90-degree view of outside. The camera is set in the roof and can rotate full circle as fast. Watch this screen. Oh, that's for view directly below. That's a remarkable piece of engineering. It's so simple. <laughs> In operation, that is. Is there anything else you'd like to inspect? No, thank you. You've been very patient. Well, then, now that we're all safely inside, I must tell you that I am Cassia, and I have been sent to bring you to Talia. Where's that? Some 400 miles north of here. It's the city in which I live. And what about the, uh, sortiers? They live quite apart and separate from us. Talia offers you a comfortable place to live, sufficient food and clothing, total protection from the climate. Mm. Are all the girls in Talia as beautiful as you? Yes. Then we shall come to Talia. Yeah. How long will it take <laughs> us to get there? About 15 minutes. Sit well back in your seats. Blimey. Dear, wait a minute. What's wrong? 1,600 miles an hour. No one driving. We're on automatic. Yeah, but suppose we meet here or another ship or something. We will avoid it. There is no danger. Well, if you say so. When we landed on this planet, it seemed completely devoid of life. It almost is. When we first saw it, we thought it was Earth. Yeah. Is that where you were from, Earth? What do you call this planet? Tribos. It means third. We are the third planet from the sun. So is Earth. Oh, how many planets encircle your sun altogether? Nine. We have twelve. Whereabouts in the galaxy is your system located? We have no idea. But two days ago, or what seemed like two days ago, we were in it, going back home from Mars. Mm -hmm. That's the fourth planet from the sun. How we came to land in this place is a mystery. It was our fault. We apologize. You? What did you to do with it? It was the Space Travel Research Center, trying to recover one of their ships. It was a great surprise to them when you turned up. Oh, we didn't take it lightly. Somehow, from somewhere, you entered the recovery field just as they recalled our ship from Nepha. Where's Nepha? It's a small planet situated on the extreme edge of our solar system, 6,000 million miles from the sun. It'd take a lifetime to travel that far. Really? Our ships do it in 10 hours. 10 oh, hours? The time-consuming periods are the acceleration after takeoff and the deceleration before landing after passing through the time barrier. You travel through time? Only in order to travel through space. Our aim is to reach the nearest star within a Trebosian lifespan. Why? This planet will support life for only two or three thousand years more. 
We have to find a new world to colonize. But do you have to go that far? Isn't there a planet within your solar system that you could live on? No. Years ago, we thought there might be. But every globe in this system, except Tribos, is a dead, barren world of solid rock or a globe of freezing, poisonous gas. Breaking the time barrier is our only hope of survival. But why send a ship to Nephthyr if it lies within your own solar system? It is the farthest point we can send an experimental ship. Have it land and then recover it. Except instead of recovering it, we recovered you. What happened to your ship then? Still sitting on Nephthyr, thank goodness. The previous ship we sent never came back. Any people on board? Oh, no. But it was intended to put a crew aboard on the next ship. What we need to know is why your ship responded to the recovery field and ours didn't. Uh, I wish we could tell you. I, look, that great honeycomb structure down there by the lake. That is Talia. What you can see are the meteor shield and the sun filters. But why the honeycomb shape? Each section is hermetically sealed from the next to prevent air loss should it get damaged. The air pressure within the city is much higher than outside. We shall descend and enter the main airlock. I will then take you to your quarters. I can see the city through the glass. Look. I expected a futuristic kind of place. But this looks like a Mediterranean town of ancient times. And beautiful. We prefer it. But with all your scientific knowledge... It has taught us to appreciate the simple life. Hello, Flying Craft 3. You will wait. All airlocks are occupied. Instructions received and understood. It will only be a minute or two. Lots of people leave the city at this time of day. Well, with your own civilization so advanced and organized, how come the Sotirs seem so, well, primitive? For many generations, Talia has concentrated on breeding a perfect race. People with bodily illness or mental defects were never allowed to breed. The race was improved as the defects were bred out of it. The result is the most perfect group of people ever to inhabit this planet. And having achieved the ultimate, you are fated to find your planet dying in your day's number. We will establish a new colony elsewhere in the galaxy. The race will go on. And what about all those people who were not allowed to breed? The defectives, what happened to them? Most of them accepted their fate and remained good Talian citizens. Others chose to leave and live their own way of life, which means breeding as and when they please. Are they the satyrs? Yes, a race of rejects. Originally only a few hundred, but now their numbers greatly exceed the Talians. They have not the sense to know that the first basic rule for happiness within a community with limited resources is to control the birth rate. Well, in spite of their great numbers, there don't seem to be many about. They hole up by day in their underground dwellings. They've learned to live with the cold and have become creatures of the night. Hello, Flying Craft 3. You will enter airlock entrance 4. The spacemen are to be taken to Central Piazza for interrogation. Message understood. Entering airlock now. We entered the city and immediately descended into a vast underground park for flying saucers. Having alighted from the aircraft, we were whisked away by a moving platform forward and upward to ground level and then along roads flanked by walls about 10 feet high. The streets were laid out on a grid pattern. The movable platforms carrying pedestrians to all parts of the city took up most of the main roadways. Narrow streets without moving platforms divided one block of buildings from another. Airtight doors were built into the walls of these narrow ways and opened into residences built very much in the style of an ancient Roman townhouse. 
That is, with a large entrance and a peristyle or patio, which also served as a garden. Where the streets opened onto a grand piazza, we alighted from the traveling platform and entered a large building. There, in a kind of conference room or council chamber, we faced a man as handsome and as young-looking as Cassia. He questioned us for what seemed to be hours on who we were, where we had come from, and where we were headed before the recovery field engulfed us and brought us, somewhat violently, to Tribos. We explained time and again how, so far as we knew, we had not traveled from a planet encircling some distant star. We believed we were still within our own solar system, though exactly where was a deep mystery. My suggestion that somehow we had moved forward or backward in time was poo-pooed. Our ships utilize time only in order to travel through space. The movement is sideways, not forwards or backwards. You must have traveled here from the region of Nephtha. That is why the constellations are known to you but distorted in shape. Nephtha must be the planet you call Earth. He treated us politely but grilled us with never-ending questions. The appearance of our ship in place of the one expected had given the Trebosian scientists a great shock. They obviously had no idea what to make of us who were so like them in appearance. Long before the interview was over, we were feeling exhausted, though neither Cassia nor our interrogator showed the least sign of tiredness. At last, we were released, and Cassia was permitted to show us to the house we were to occupy for the next Trebosian year or more. Blimey. Who are you? Video phone. You rang. 
Yeah, I thought I was opening the bathroom door. Button number two. Ah, oh, thanks. Where's he gone? Video phone service. Was there something else? Uh, uh, which button is for wardrobe? Four. Uh, two, three. Oh. Do I have to wear all these? Do you intend to go outside the city? No, I don't think so. Wear tunic, belt, purse and sandals. Do not forget wrist radio. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, I thought it was a watch. Anything else? No, thank you. Enjoy your day. Thanks. Are you coming, Lenny? You're right with you, Mitch, just as soon as I shower. Well, hurry up, we're all waiting. Platform. The spokesman for the council will be here directly. Now, there's this place, a lecture hall. Sometimes. Also a council chamber, a theatre, whatever it's called for. Good day, gentlemen, oh. and welcome to Talia. Blimey, where did he spring from? Quiet, Lenny, where's your respect? Because he wasn't there a second ago. We are sorry for the inconvenience we have caused you. We were expecting our own ship to arrive, not yours. It is still standing on Nephtha. Did you see it? We've never been to Nephtha. How else could you have been caught up in our recovering field? I wish I knew. After takeoff, we just kept accelerating. That's right. So fast and until we lost all consciousness. <laughs> Next thing we knew, we were within striking distance of this planet. Mm. The high acceleration was caused by our recovery process. By some extraordinarily remote chance, you took off at the identical moment we energized the field. You reached almost the speed of light, broke through the time-space barrier, left your own planet, and appeared on yeah. ours. Yeah. The ship we expected is still stranded on Nephtha. Yeah. Yet your ship responded to our efforts perfectly. We intend to find out why. We'd like to know too. Yes. Precisely. Yeah. We want you to restore the discovery to the identical condition it was in when you left uh, Mars and headed for the Earth. Restore it? Us? That wouldn't be easy. You'll receive all the technical assistance you need. Yeah. Well, the ship's not even standing the right way up. And labor. But supposing we do put the discovery back into flying shape, how will it benefit us? If we can only find the information we are seeking, we could probably reverse the process that brought ah. you here and send you back again. Well, well, in that case... It is work most suited to you, and work you will enjoy. From that point of view, you are very fortunate. It's good to enjoy one's work. It compensates for the small reward. Well, do you intend to pay us, then? Only one person in Talia works for nothing. Huh? Who's that? The president. The satisfaction of holding the high office is considered to be sufficient reward in itself. On the other hand, whereas no one is allowed to work without reward, neither is anyone allowed reward without work. What about a sick? There are no sick. The old, then? There are no old. Or which is the highest paid work? The dirtiest, the most uncomfortable. Labor in the recycling plants, the sewers, or the hydroponic farms. Yeah. All of which operate underground. And the amount of pay? Work is rewarded in energy units. The harder you work, the more unlocked your credit. Units can be exchanged for material goods. Three months' work below ground will earn you sufficient units to live comfortably for a year or more. After that initial effort, one can usually coast along working at more pleasurable tasks for less pay. You expect us to abide by this custom? Mm. Of course. So long as you remain in Talia, You'll be subject to all its laws and will devote your lives and dedicate your work to its benefits. And how much reward can we expect from working on the discovery? Very little, I'm afraid. Such work is placed high in the satisfaction category and therefore yields very little material return. But we will have to pay for the place we live in, food, all that? Yes. 
So we can't start work on the ship until we've earned our basic keep. We require you to begin work immediately. But... Three of you will work on the ship. The fourth will take up some employment and earn the bodily needs and comforts of the others. You start tomorrow. Transport to the site will be supplied and will leave at daybreak. Inform your guide of any difficulties. She is there to assist you. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen, and good work. What? He's gone. As quick as he came. The interview is over. He looked so real. What we saw was a picture. He was in another part of the city. We must leave now. I'll escort you back to your house. Did he mean what he said about dividing the work between us? Oh, yes. You would not remain here long if you worked only at the things you enjoyed. One of you will have to earn sufficient units for all. Well, don't all look at me. The radio needs refitting too. Yes, Lemmy, but it's the least important. I only can be left to last. So while you lot are enjoying yourselves, I'll go work in the salt mine. Well, as soon as we've made sufficient progress for you to start on the radio, one of us will take your place. Yeah. I suppose we, we've got to do what that geezer says. Yes. Of course. Well, I mean, we, we could refuse, couldn't we? Yes, but you would have to leave Talia and be banned from entering it or any Trebosian city again. Well, there's somewhere else for us to go. Oh, yes, the planet is large. There's plenty of room. But very inhospitable. Very. And no Cassia to look after us. No. We shall stay here. Does that answer all your questions, Lemmy? Yay. Good. Now you get a little rest. We'll prepare a nice dinner for you. Oh, thanks. Chin up, Lemmy. Yeah, it's easy to say chin up. Chin up already. Yeah. Video phone service? Yeah, you've got an employment office. What kind of employment are you seeking? The kind of place the biggest wages. I've got free dependents to keep. You will have to work hard and long to support three. Oh, no. For employment department, you take the red track to the Piazza of Scientists. Change from the blue track to the Piazza of Occupations. There you will be allocated work. Thanks. And given your protective clothing. Hey? Do not forget your wrist radio. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having your job. That seems not so cushy. Nobody can have my job. I do not exist. What? I am only a computer. Programmed to answer countless questions. You're not a real man. An image on a screen. I can assume any shape you wish. All right, be a monkey. What is a monkey? I am not programmed for monkeys. Ah, oh, uh, well, a sort here then. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that, that's very good. Was there something else? No, that, that'll be all, thank you. Have a good day. And you. And so the three of us began the long, slow work of restoring the discovery to its takeoff condition. The scientific tools, the scanning, probing, and means of detection showed up faults and weaknesses in an instant. Robot-like machines did the hard labor. Yet in spite of all the intellectual and physical help, it was a slow process. And tiring, as the Bosian day was so much longer than that of Earth. The most difficult task was to find the right fuel to fire the rocket motors. Such chemistry had never been manufactured in Tribos before. It took their scientists weeks merely to analyze our meager remaining fuel supply. Then they had to find a way to manufacture it in sufficient quantities to fill the ship's tanks. More than six Trebosian months of work lay before us. Meanwhile, we settled into our life in Talia and found it much to our liking. Not so Lenny.
And while you lot are spending your days out in the sunshine enjoying your work, I'm way down in the bowels of the earth working my inside out at the worst job I've ever had. What is it you do that's so unpleasant? Well, well, the dark, for one thing. Mm. These Talians don't seem to need the same amount of light as we do. And, and then there's a smell. What of? The, the recycling plant. You, you've got no idea. Everything has to be recycled. Every bit of refuse, waste material, soil, water, everything. I would have thought the scientific interest in such work would compensate for the unpleasantness. You what? The transport for discovery worksite now waiting in Bay 2. Yeah. We're all concerned. Please take their places in the aircraft. We have to go. Try not to be too downhearted. I know, I'll have a party. We'll see you tonight, Lenny. And don't fall asleep on the job. I can't help it. After four or five hours, I'm dead tired. I've got, I've got to have some sleep or I'd fall down right where I was. Well, don't they mind? No, well, not if I stay behind and make up for the hours I lost. Oh, that's why you're always back so late. Yeah, that and, and trying to get clean afterwards. Transport to Discovery Site is about to leave. Please take your places. Come on, before they leave us behind. <laughs> Well, what do you do about it? We stretch you out on the take-off couches and have to sleep. Trust you. Time for work. All right, I know. Don't forget your protective clothing. I've got half a mind to swing the old lot in the flush just as soon as I get down there. A rebellious attitude will not be tolerated. No, I'm only joking. I love my work. Really, I do. That's the spirit. Have a good day. Don't get worse days than these I've never seen. I can smell it already. You must be at least half a mile away. Calling recycling operator number 14. Oh, hell. What's up? There is a clogging at sluice number 5 at the end of the gallery you are now in. Proceed to sluice and clear the obstruction. Apparatus for clearance and dissolving agents are stored near sluice. Do you hear? I heard and I understood. Please report back when task is completed. Right. Number five, he said. Oh, look at that. Take me a week to clear that lot. All right, these books are really waterproof. Hello, recycling unit. Operator number 14 calling. Recycling direction. Yeah, I've worked for a good hour trying to clear that sluice. The solid metal's breaking up, but the water doesn't flow. I think a pump has failed. Number five pump is situated at end of gallery, almost directly opposite sluice. Yeah, I see. Am, am I going to get the transport truck up there? As far as the pump, at least. Please report on condition of pump. Right. It looks pretty dark. Use your light. Of course. I was talking to myself, really. I'm at the pump. Is a red light glowing? Yeah. Press the green button next to What did you say? I can hardly hear you. The radio does not function so well in the deeper galleries. I repeat, press the green button next to the red light. Oh, right. Is it working? Yeah, pump seems okay, but I can hardly hear you. Oh, it's stopped again. 
Well, how long will he be? About an hour. Hmm. Opportunity for a little sleep. We're not quite so near the perfumed pool. Up the gallery, a bit to sweep the regions. Seems a good place, though. Uh, uh, that's better. Oh, 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 Find out who you are, where you came from, what you're doing here. Uh, uh, I was trying to unlock a sluice pump in the recycling plant. Oh, we know that. We ruined the pump. You? We knew you'd be along to inspect it. You were waiting for me? For some time. Been watching you from the shadows. We see much better in the dark than you. And you deliberately fouled up the pump? A way of getting you to enter a low, narrow gallery where radio reception is bad. They won't expect to hear from you because you were patiently waiting for an engineer to arrive. Oh, the... Uh, the night you arrived, we paid you a visit. Oh, well, were you those bears who threw stones at us? It was our young people showing their contempt for Italians. They sometimes get so angry it is difficult to control them. But they would not have attacked you had they known who you were. Where did you find out we weren't Italians? Our first sight of you, down in the recycling galleries, as soon as we saw how ugly you were. Ugly? Well, Italians are too handsome to be true. It's, it's all that inbreeding, all that drug-taking and filtered sunshine keeps them young and beautiful. We could see at once you were more like ourselves. A bit rugged, but friendly and loving and... Human? What? Sotarian. <laughs> exactly. You'd do better staying with us than a Italia. No, I, I, I couldn't do that. Jet and Mitch and Doc are depending on me to earn their keep. Otherwise, you'd I... all be thrown out and left to starve. Do you think so? I know. All these people you see here... Well, they have all been rejected from Talia, or are descended from people who have. Some for the smallest misdemeanors. Such as? Refusing to conform, like me. What did you do? I allowed the woman I loved to bear me a child. And they threw you out for that? No one is allowed to bear children without permission. Where's your wife and child now? I never heard what happened to my wife. My child was reared as a Talian, and is a true one, for all I know. I've never seen her since the day she was born. But tell us about you. Where you come from, what your world is like, how you got here. So I work here in the sewage plant while Jet and the others are getting a discovery ready. We hope that the Talians will be able to reverse the recovery process and send us back home. Be careful. Once you have ceased to be useful, you may find yourselves in quite another situation. Oh, but they promise. Oh, promises count very little with Talians. The needs of science and the state count above all else. Well, perhaps they can't do it. Oh, yes. 
They are sure that provided they can get their time warp travel apparatus to work, the Discovery will crash through the barrier back to where it came from. And anybody on board will go back with her. To Mars. Well, they think you came from Neptune. Oh, no, Mars. Well, well, more exactly from a position between Mars and Earth. We was travelling from one to the other at the time. Well, if the experiment works and your ship did go back to Mars, it would be lost so far as Tribos is concerned. Yes. So my advice is, be on it when it leaves. You will get only one chance. Hey, how do you know all this? Not all Talians are purebred. Some of them still carry feelings of compassion for their fellow beings. Sometimes they visit us, bring us news information on the latest Trebosian scientific developments. Well, sometimes they snuggle out bits of apparatus that will make life more comfortable down here under the earth, or will keep us warm on the surface at night. Well, I mean, that's a risky business, isn't it? I mean, smuggling things out, I mean. We have nothing to do with their major projects, though we do receive copies of all the reports on them, and of the archaeological excavations taking place north of Talia. What do you want those for? Well, history digs are our speciality. <laughs> it's not surprising that we live among the very artifacts and remains that the Italians are busily digging down into. Well, that's a new approach. Do you learn much from them? Among other things, we have learned the reason why this world is losing its atmosphere and is rapidly turning into a planetary desert. Ah? Huh? It was the fault of our common ancestors. Ours, the Italians, and yours. Mine? Well, your descendants, strictly speaking. But from where we stand at present, they are our ancestors. I don't quite understand. The Holocaust. What Holocaust? The one which almost destroyed this planet in one afternoon and sparked off the process by which it is now rapidly approaching its end. I don't know what you're on about. Hello, recycling <laughs> Calling me. You and your discovery friends could change the course of time. What? Hello, operator 14. When you get oh, home, please. well, stop the Holocaust. How? And how do you know we'll get home? When the discovery takes off, be sure to be aboard. When? We will see you are informed. Hello, Operator 14. We wish you well. The day you leave, we will be there to wish you luck. Remember, one bold action by you could save the world. Operator 14, why don't you answer? Hello. I can hear you. Where have you been? We've been calling you for some time. Sorry, I... I must have fallen asleep. And I've lost my lamp. It's totally dark. We are sorry you have waited so long for this new He is now on his way and should be with you in a few minutes. Oh, thank goodness. It, it's real spooky here. I think I've been dreaming. <laughs> Italians were a handsome, well-mannered, gentle, young-looking people. But there was a strange coolness in their relationship with us. They never quite accepted our presence among them. were never warm or friendly. However, this coolness was not shown by everybody, as we discovered one evening when, in the shady patio of our ancient Roman-style house, Jet greeted us with a remarkable announcement. I am leaving this house and moving into another. Was it something I said? I'm moving in with Cassia. <laughs> yes. You mean you're getting married? We have decided to live together. Is it legal? It is not illegal, although intimate relationships with aliens are not encouraged. Do you intend raising a family then? Well... It would not be allowed. Why not? You would never pass the fatherhood medical test. Me? You would 
not even pass the medical test to become Italian. None of you would. They would consider you old before your time. Misshapen, unwelcome additions uh, to a master race. Oh, that's that's charming. Yeah. But uh, you are in love with Jack. Yes. I, I can guarantee his good health. But children are out of the question. The law would not allow it. How could they stop it? My license to reproduce would be endorsed. Maybe taken from me forever. Punishment for producing unauthorized children is severe. Don't Italian women ever produce children purely as a result of love? Occasionally. But more often, they are encouraged to nurture the seeds of Talian men. And produce children with unknown fathers? The state is the parent. The child is taken in care as soon as it is born. But why all these strict laws? Don't Talians like children? It's the population control. The planet can support only a limited number of people. But in spite of all those rules and regulations, you intend to set up home with Jet. I love him. Who would you call being in love a typical Talian characteristic? No, more characteristic of the sortiers. Only a sortier would be fool enough to allow her heart to dictate to her head. Well, good luck, Cassia. And you, Jet. I hope you find happiness together. Yes, yes so are. Thank you. Jet. Mm hmm I want you to take this. Hmm? Wear it for my sake. What, a translator? No, just something to wear around your neck. Oh, a charm. An ornament. You don't see many Italians wearing these. No. It belonged to my father. It was specially fashioned for him by his friends in the archaeological unit. It looks Greek or Roman. Very ancient. Is it genuine? It's a copy of an artifact found by my father in the northern mountains. Thought to have been made by civilized people living on Tribos more than a million years ago. My father left it to me. I give it to you. I shall never take it off. Thank you. Dear. There's something I think you should know. Mm-hmm. Do you know how old I am? No, but at a rough guess, I'd say, well, 17? 38. Oh. I mean it. Earth years or Trebosian? Trebosian, of course. <laughs> You're joking. No. If what you say is true... It is. By Earth reckoning, you wouldn't be 38, you'd be nearer 54. So be it. But you look so young, beautiful and fresh. Like all Talians. And we go on looking young until our dying day, which is usually around 100 years old, Trebosian years. How is it done? Special diets, drugs in the drinking water, filtered sun rays to keep the skin smooth and tight. We don't notice we're receiving them anymore. But their effect is vivid enough. How about me? And Doc and Mitch and Lenny? Oh, you receive the same doses as the rest of us. You may not get to look any younger. But you certainly won't get any older, not while you remain with us. I feel younger than I've ever felt in my life. Mm. I know that for as long as I know you, I will not age one single day. Not one minute. Then let nothing come between us. Is it likely to? I was a love child, born illegally of parents who reproduced in defiance of the law. What happened to them? I was taken from them on the day of my birth, and they were banished. Where are they now? Dead, for all I know. Or living with the Sotiers. All the evidence I have for their existence is the neck ornament I just gave you. And I will always wear it. Yes. Darling, nothing will separate us. Believe me. I hope not.
counsellor will address you. Good day, gentlemen. Oh, Lord, I wish he wouldn't appear suddenly like that. Hush, Lemmy. I have summoned you here to thank you for the work you have done on the ship Discovery. It has been examined and found to be in a perfect, if somewhat primitive, condition. That so much space in a vessel could have been given over to carrying fuel astounds me. That one has to destroy the product of a planet in order to manufacture fuel when solar energy is free and unending astounds us even more. But at least the ship is ready to take off. Mm. We shall be launching it in due course on an experimental flight and recovery test. Meanwhile, on behalf of Talia, we thank you for your efforts. Uh, one moment. You said you thought you could reverse your recovery process and send the discovery back where it came from. Precisely. Well, will you at least allow us aboard while you make the experiment? It has been decided that due to the crew design of your ship and the uncertainty of the correct functioning of many of its working parts, this first experimental flight shall be unmanned. Oh, it has also could... been decided that as the work on the discovery is now finished, and as physically you do not come up to the standard required to be targeted, oh, you are no longer allowed to remain in the city. Oh, no. Then where will we go? As you have done some service to our state, we have allocated you a dwelling in the region of Camp Apennine, at the foot of the northern mountains. There, you will work at the archaeological site. Uh -huh. So long as your work is maintained, so shall your sustenance and other needs. You will be carried to Camp Apennine tomorrow. The work will be explained by your guide, who, being a full Italian citizen, is permitted to come and go as she pleases. The decision of the Council is final and irrevocable. Good day. Uh, uh, oh, John. Banished. And no appeal after all the work we did. Where is Camp Apennine? In the north, rugged country. You've been there before? I worked there as an archaeologist for two years before I joined space research. My memories of the place are of short, hot days and long, bitterly cold nights. Oh, no. What will you do, Cassie? Stay here? Oh, of course not. I shall resign from the space department and become an archaeologist again. As the counselor said, I am still an Italian citizen. I can come or go as I please. We had spent six long Trebozian months laboring on the discovery until she was in complete working order. The last we had seen of her, she was standing erect in the desert on her new launching pad looking like a colossal ancient obelisk. Next day, after we had collected our personal belongings together, we were issued with extra warm clothing and transported to the archaeological village nestling at the foot of the Campapinine Mountains. And there we worked, digging up the extremely scanty historical past of Tribos. We labored all through the daylight hours, getting home just before darkness fell and the bitterly cold nights engulfed us. Fortunately, our dwellings were comfortable and warm. We seldom went out at night, though there were odd occasions when it could not be avoided. I think we must have lived this way for a year or more, with no break in our daily routine until one particularly cold night. I'm going to have to be indoors. Lemmy. Did you get back yet? No, neither of them. Well, they'd better hurry up. The sun's hardly setting. It's already freezing out there. Is there any word from Cassia? Not a peep. She's two days overdue. Do you think she's all right? I mean, they wouldn't have kept her entirely, eh? Stopped her coming back? Well, she said not to worry if she was late this trip. I can't help worrying. Must be the effect of living at the North Pole. We're nowhere near the Pole, Emmy. 
48 degrees latitude north of the equator, we figured. Yeah, during the day, I can believe it. I got, I got quite burned out there this afternoon. Oh, be careful. You're not on Brighton Beach. You could do yourself some serious harm. Oh, it's only for a couple of minutes. Hello, Mitch. Mitch. Have a good day? Oh, yes, thanks, Doc. Yeah, how about you? Made a couple of interesting finds. Huh? What were they? Bits of pottery. Two bits. With remnants of figures scored on one side. Looked early Roman or Etruscan in style. Aye. Well, you never handed them in. I couldn't mean trouble. Oh, I handed one in. Thought I'd keep the other for personal study. I can hand it in later. They'd never know I borrowed it. What did the archaeology curator say? He was delighted. Can I have a look, Doc? Yeah, sure, Lemmy. It's in my kit bag over there. Oh, right. Well, he became unusually friendly. <laughs> Told me quite a lot about the history of this planet. Oh. He reckons that thousands of years ago there was plenty of water, literally oceans of it. And there's good evidence of that. The deep, wide valleys we saw from space are the old seabeds. The lakes are all that's left of the seas. So what happened to it all? Well, they have some fantastic theory about the planet catching fire. How could it do that? I don't know. Neither does he, really. But something happened. The surface of Tribos was so badly scorched it destroyed every living thing on it, except for a few minor patches here and there. And in order to survive, life in those places had to go underground. And that meant people. That sounds terrifying. And that's not all. Apparently, the planet's axial tilt shifted to almost upright, and the rotation rate slowed down three or four times. As a result, the atmosphere heated up and the water and air began to evaporate and to leak away into space. Which is why the atmosphere outside is so thin. Right. And why the days are so long. But what about the Talians and their super-civilization? Every person on this planet is descended from those few people left over from the Great Holocaust. They survived by living underground. That's right. Oh. The Sotirs still do. And so did the Talians until about 400 years ago when they built the first plastic protection over their city. That enabled them to live on the surface once more. I must say the archaeological evidence seems to point to a burning of some kind and to some long-forgotten civilizations before that. What could have caused the fire? I don't know. I've seen one of these in a British museum. It would be a remarkable thing if you have, Lemmy. Oh, did you catch her back yet? No, not yet. She hasn't called? No. But I'm sure she'd be back today. Darkness has fallen. It's more likely to be tomorrow. She's never been this late before. Now, don't worry, Jen. Ah. Oh, it's cold out there, but beautiful. So many Thank stars. Thank goodness you're all right. You're very late. Why did you come back in the dark? I have news. I couldn't wait. Oh? The discovery. What about it? They're going to launch it. At long last. Why did they wait so long? They've been perfecting the recovery system. They think they now have it right. When does the launching happen? The day after tomorrow. They aim to send the discovery via the time warp to Nexa and then bring it back again immediately. A manned flight? No. They've already lost two ships. They want to be absolutely sure they can get this one back before they put people on board. This is our chance to get off this planet and home. How? Smuggle ourselves aboard. They said if we simulate the takeoff that brought us here from Mars, it's quite likely that the reverse procedure will take us back again. And if it doesn't? Then we go out to the limits of this solar system, take a free look at Nepha and return. All in the length of a Trebosian afternoon. What happens when we get back? You would be banished from Talia forever. They will not tolerate disobedience. But we've already been banished. Not totally. You're allowed to live and work out here as a special privilege. In return for the work, you receive this house, clothes, food, and me to advise and guide you. You would lose all that. If they threw us out of here, we'd freeze to death. Your only hope would be to join the Sotirs. I 
think it's all too risky. All the way out to Nepta and back, only to be thrown on the mercy of a lot of, well, trolls. Don't you want to go home? Yes, but... Well, you three go. If you think you can get on board without being discovered. Three is not enough. The ship must have a crew of at least four. This may be our only opportunity. Do you want to stay here? Well, I don't dislike it here all that much. In fact, I'm beginning to like it rather a lot. You mean you don't want to leave Cassia? She could come with us. Yes. Would you? If you want me to, I'll go anywhere. We need to know the exact time of takeoff. Yeah. Day after tomorrow at dawn. You have all the details? The ship will be fired by remote control from Talia. All you have to do is to be aboard when she takes off. Won't there be any guards? What for? The idea of the experiment is to control the ship from Talia. There's no need to see the ship. It's not intended to view the takeoff from the space center. With nobody inside, how do we get the ladder lowered? We use my saucer. Yeah. Hover in front of the Discovery's entrance and climb aboard. You can open the airlock from outside, can't you? Oh, yes. Then we have no problem. When do we leave? If we get there too early, our presence might be detected. If we leave it too late, the ship could go without us. It will take off the moment the sun appears above the horizon. What's the minimum time you need to be ready? If the ship is on remote control, no more time than it takes to climb aboard. Would five minutes be enough? Yes, just about. Very well. The day after tomorrow. Leave here an hour and a half before daybreak. shooting stones. Space department will know. And? They'll send a saucer down to scare them off. They could already be on their way. How long before dawn? Six or seven minutes. Let's get aboard now. If they come and see a saucer hanging around, they'll cancel the whole thing. If we're already inside, they may not realize it. Take us as close to the door as you can, Cassia. Yes. It's a long drop to the ground. I'm opening our airlock. I'll go first. Yeah, at least we can get in. Go straight to your takeoff catches. Right. Lemmy? Right, Jet. Now you, Doc? Okay. Oh. Cassia? No, you go. I'll hold the saucer steady. Oh. I understand the controls better. Very well. There. Now, give me a hand. Take care of you drifting away. Cassia, come back. No, Jet. You go home. What? I am not coming. But you promised. Only to get you to agree to go. The ship needs you. Three cannot manage. But I need you. Come aboard, Cassia. There's the first gyro. The ship's preparing to take off. Oh, come aboard while you have to dance. You remember I told you how old I was. What do I care how old you are? 38 Trigosian years. 54 Earth years, you say. What's this got to do with anything? You were wrong. Tribon years are much, much longer than Earth. How do you know? I've worked it out from what you told me about your planet. The seasons, the periods of the constellations. Why do you think you all get so hungry and tired? All time. 
If you don't come now, we shall have to pause forever. Back to the surface. Yes, you hear? Yes, I hear. Hello, Discovery. This is Talia. Can you hear me? Hello? Talia calling? Nobody answered. Do they know we're aboard? I can't say. A saucer appeared to drive off the sorties just before the motors fired. They must have seen Cassia's saucer hovering near the door. But not necessarily have seen you or Mitch. Maybe not. The door was closed and the motors firing as I was dragging him in. Cassia won't give us away. Hello, Discovery. If there is anybody aboard, it is in your own interest to acknowledge the fact. Then hear this. This experimental flight will continue as planned. We shall proceed to send you to Nepta, bring our own stranded ship back, and leave you on Nepta to fend for yourselves. We will allow you five minutes to answer. After that time, if there is no reply, we will assume there is nobody aboard and continue with the flight as scheduled. Switch to manual control. All circuits. Tell you you're on. Now what? We wait. What for? For when they restart their experiment. Send us out to Nipper. We shall feel our speed increase. At that precise moment, we switch on the motors and boost all the power we can out of them. Just like when we left Mars. Yes. Let's hope what happened then happens again. Now, lie still. Watch the speed indicators and be ready to fire the motors at a second notice. is beginning to look very small. Speed, Mitch, hardly anything. In a few minutes, it'll be zero and we'll start falling back. Be alert. It can happen any moment. There. I've got it now. Number one. Number one. Lenny? Okay, but only John. I'm all right, Jed. Let's have the picture. It's on there. Oh, yeah. Is it Tribos? 
Or the earth. Oh, it's too far off to tell. Well, you've come a long way. Millions of miles, I hope. Oh, no. What is it? Earth? Well, Tribos, we're traveling away from it. We're leaving it behind. Of course. We have to turn the ship around and go back. Stand by for firing auxiliary motors. Standing by. Number one. Number one. Number two. Number two. Degrees, one seventy nine, seventy eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Turn complete, one hundred and eighty degrees. Fire both motors now. Well, what do you think? Pretty red to me. Oh, oh, pale pink. No, Lemmy. Silver and blue. Are you colorblind? <laughs> it's the earth, all right. How far away? Two more days and we'll begin to pick out familiar details. We've broken through the time warp. <laughs> I'd like to see the look on those Talians' faces when that ship turns up from Nepla instead of us. <laughs> Never mind that. Now, get to the radio, call up control, and ask for our correct speed, position, and landing procedure. Won't they be surprised to hear from us after 18 months? Has it been that long? I think so. Well, hasn't it? Well, it could be a little longer, depending on the exact length of the Trebozian year. Hello, control. This is the Discovery calling. We're anxious to hear from you. Come in, please. Hell, what is it? The charm, that locket Cassia gave me. It's gone. You sure you had it when you came aboard? Absolutely certain. Oh, it can't be far. We'll soon find it. Hello, Control. Discovery calling. Would like to hear from you. Come in, please. It's everywhere. There's no sign of it. I had it when you dragged me in. It couldn't have just disappeared. I think it has. Eh? That locket, like Cassia, belonged to a different age, a different time. It could not exist in our time. Right. We've left it on the other side of the time warp. I don't quite follow. I mean, when we broke through the time barrier, we actually moved forward, not sideways. We traveled through time, not just through space, as Italians thought we had. How far? Way, way into the future. To a time in which our own period was so remote, its very existence had been forgotten. And the locket, never having existed in our time, has disappeared as we came back into it. Mm, seems that way. What about your artifact, the one you found on the archaeological site? Well, here it is. Large as life. Why didn't that disappear? Because it has been on Earth since the beginning of history and had lain buried in the soil for a million years until I dug it up. It's as much part of our time as we are and part of more than a thousand lifetimes before that and a thousand ages afterwards. It's the only thing on this ship that belongs both to the past and the future. So we didn't travel to another solar system. No, Mitch. We remained within the same one, our own. And Tribos was the Earth. Where else? Then all that Cassia said was true about the length of days and her age and so on. How long was the Trebozian day? Well, according to her, four times the length of an Earth one. Hmm. So my estimate of being on the planet for 18 months should really read... Six years. No wonder oh. I was so tired. Why didn't you tell us, Jeff? It was too fantastic. I couldn't believe it. Well, like so much on that planet. Not in a million years would I have believed it was the Earth. But you do now. Beginning to. Very firmly, yes. Now I know what that geezer meant when he hinted that I was my own ancestor. What geezer? The sortier I met down in the recycling plant. Aye. He told me that the discovery would get us back to Earth first try. 
And to be sure we were all on it, and he and his mates had come and wish us goodbye. He, he must have been in that told Cassia when the takeoff was. Well, why didn't you tell us all this? Well, like Jed, it was all, it was all so fantastic. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought it was just a dream. And what about your being your own ancestor? Well, it, it was when he was telling me about the Holocaust. What about it? He said the cause of all the trouble in Tribos was the Holocaust. And that when we got back to Earth, we could change the course of time in history by preventing it happening. Huh. Well, if we knew what it was. Some kind of massive explosion, obviously. And it doesn't take much imagination to guess what might cause that. Yeah. Almost burnt life out of existence, shifted the Earth's axial tilt, changed the climate and caused the leaking away of the atmosphere into space. When we get back to Earth, we must spread the word. Tell the world what we've seen and hope it'll be sufficient warning. And change time in history. That's right. Well, it, there are one or two things that bother me. What are they? If we can change the course of time and history by stopping the Holocaust, yes. well, doesn't that mean that all or most of what we've seen these last six Earth years won't take place? Very likely. Oh. Pity. Why? Oh, I kind of like to think that while we were living our period of time, Cassia and the Sotias were living in theirs. Way on ahead there in the future. Quite likely. But if we change the course of time and history, isn't it possible that Cassia and the rest of them will never be born? Twenty-four hours, we should be landing, and you still can't raise control. Well, Forty-eight hours, I've been calling. I, I don't understand it. They, they must have changed the frequency. And left us stranded out here with no contact. The radio can't be functioning correctly. I've checked and double-checked it, but I'll keep trying. Hello, Control. This is Discovery calling. Can you hear me? Here. Wait a minute. I, I suppose those geezers back in Talia knew what they were doing. About what? Getting us back at the right time. I, I mean, supposing they got it wrong, even by not very much. You know, a hundred years or even fifty years too early or, or too late. That could make things very awkward for us. Part one, two, seven, semi-hello. Uh, Ready for the landing procedure, <laughs> over. There's your answer, Lemmy. Hello, Control. This is Discovery calling. Hello, Flight 127. Your landing point is runway 17. Please switch to automatic navigation and landing. What's he talking about? Hello, Earth. Hello, Control. Discovery calling. What was that? I didn't say anything. I think we have interference. Hello, Control. Receiving you strength free. Whoever you are, you're interfering with London Landing Control. Please check your transmitter frequency and clear this channel. Did you say Landing Control? Yes. Oh, good. This is the Discovery. Who? The Discovery. Flagship of the Martian fleet. On its way home. <laughs> Space, The Return from Mars, was written by Charles Chilton. John Pullen played Jeff Morgan, Anthony Hall, Lemmy, Ed Bishop, Doc, and Nigel Graham, Mitch. Elizabeth Proud was Cassia, and other parts were played by Patrick Barr, David Bradshaw, Graham Faulkner, Stephen Garlick, John McAndrew, Sean Probert, Christopher Scott, and John Webb. Journey into Space was directed 
by Glyn Dearman.